2-0 on national television as the Kings have taken down both New York teams now on TNT. They light the beam against the Knicks 122-117 in a game that they led almost all the way. The Knicks, I think, had the lead at 5-4, and then the Kings took the lead and uh, never looked back. And by never looked back, I mean they never gave up the leader. It was never tied. But it did get close uh, down the stretch. Uh, and I felt like the Kings could have put this away a lot earlier. But uh, it was... They, they just had to keep things interesting. The big storylines in this game for the Kings, it was points in the paint for the Knicks. It was offensive rebounding. I mean, the, the offensive rebounding numbers are incredible. They're, it's insane. 23 offensive rebounds for the Knicks. They had a total of 58. The Kings had six offensive rebounds. And they had a total of 42. I mean, it was so insanely frustrating to watch the Knicks come up with rebound after rebound. And the Kings just not adjust because... It's one thing for Mitchell Robinson to just bulldoze his way in there and then be taller and jump higher than everyone else to go get a rebound. But when the ball just is falling into the middle of the court and just Josh Hart runs all the way from the three-point line in to get it, and he does that a million times, just how does that happen? Josh Hart had eight offensive rebounds in this game. He had 15 total rebounds, and I get he's a he's the best rebounding wing slash guard in the league, but he should never be getting eight offensive rebounds. The Kings just would not box out. It was either guys standing around or just gravitating towards the rim instead of finding a body. And that was extremely frustrating to watch. We even heard an interview with Mike Brown where mid game where he was like, we just got to put a body on someone. And then we heard him in the huddle saying, just got to put a body on someone. And they just wouldn't do it. And there was a possession where the Knicks got five offensive rebounds in a row. One of them coming from Miles McBride, who was the smallest guy on the court, just skying for the rebound. So that was the a big negative for the Kings in this game. But they still came away with the win because of how bad the Knicks are at just shooting the basketball. I thought the Kings actually started this game, I felt like they were focused on the glass, because obviously that must have been a big point of emphasis for Mike Brown coming into the game. I mean, it had to be, because everyone knows the Knicks are a great offensive rebounding team, and we got killed by them on the glass last time we played them. So I thought, you know, that first stint was really good, but then after that, it just was not good after that. But the Kings did start the game really well and played really well in the first half. And a lot of that was Sabonis dominating inside. He was dominating against Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. I think I, Mitchell Robinson may have gotten injured or something because he got into foul trouble, but then he never came back in. He had four fouls and then he never came back in at the end of the game. So that was kind of weird. It looked like he might have been limping. So I think he got injured there, but it didn't matter in terms of Sabonis 
dominating because he was dominating both Mitchell Robinson and Hardenstein and whoever was put on him, just putting them in the post and using his elite footwork and strength to get to the rim. And then I really liked the Kings defense in the first half, especially the first quarter, uh, because they did exactly what I thought they should do, which was throw bodies at Julius Randle. I Stan Van Gundy questioned it. Like, why are they doing that? I feel like Harrison Barnes can, you know, defend him well in the post. But like, no, no, he can't. Throw bodies at Julius Randle because Julius Randle is not good when you throw bodies at him. And we saw that. Julius Randle had a really bad game because the Kings just continually threw more bodies at him and made other guys beat them. And Jalen Brunson had a really good first half because of this, right? He was getting some open looks and getting the ball in good positions. He had 19 in the first half, but the Kings were still up 16 at the half because it was just Jalen Brunson. No one else. RJ Barrett's, you know, not a good shooter. And Quentin Grimes got it going a little bit, but they just don't have a lot of shooting on this team. And so the Kings did a good job of doubling Julius Randle and then rotating off of that. And I thought they did a better job than they normally do at closing out. Also, I think the Kings are just better when they like have an objective. Like, okay, we're going to go double. They like have this plan. We're going to double. And then they kind of know what's going to happen. They know the ball is going to be swung around. And that actually makes their defense better than if they were just playing straight up. Malik Monk was great in the first half. He went for, I forget how many he had in the first half, but he ended the game with 19 points. I think maybe 17 in the first half. And he was on fire from three, four for four from three. He was going crazy. And so that was fun to watch. I thought we might have a Terrence Davis-like performance from him when Terrence Davis went off on um, TNT against the Nets earlier in the season. But he cooled off in the second half. But he kind of made up for Fox not really being aggressive in that first half. And the Knicks were staying in it because I feel like Fox wasn't attacking as much as he should have been. But then in that second quarter, he finally, Fox a couple possessions in a row, took it upon himself to get inside and create something. I thought that first half was one of the better halves that the Kings have played all season because this is a good Knicks team, and the Kings, it looked like they had a game plan, both offensively and defensively. I mean, offensively, it was just the same as normal, run the offense, but they came in with a specific game plan defensively, and they executed it pretty well. And I thought the only guy who had a... bad performance in that first half was Chemezi Metu. Metu was terrible in this game, just going to be honest. He had one rebound and so many times was just standing there, not going for the rebound, not defending well, reaching in, gambling for steals. Like it, it just was not a good game from him. And the Kings are much better with Trey Lyles at the, as the backup five. But the problem with that is then who do you play as the backup 3-4 in that scenario? It's just the Kings not having uh, great depth at the wing positions off the bench. 
and so they can't move Trey Lyles to the five as much as maybe they want to. But Trey Lyles is, was great as usual. But it would just be nice if we could duplicate Trey Lyles so we could play multiple of him at once instead of Metu. The second half was a lot worse than the first half. And it was some about turning the ball over. There was some, but the turnovers weren't terrible and they weren't the reason they, that the Knicks were coming back into this game. I think the reason was because of transition defense, but not even that, not necessarily off of turnovers. It was transition defense based off even made shots, but missed shots, obviously. Even when four out of five Kings are set defensively, if just one is kind of running back, even if he's in front of his guy, the Kings are just so bad defending in those situations. When the Kings get their full defense set, they are not usually not that bad of a de- defensive team, but just it even just takes one guy not being set defensively, and it just the Kings cannot defend like that. There were so many transition opportunities in this game, and it was really frustrating. And it was what was keeping the Knicks in the game. The Knicks were getting to the free throw line a lot, but they were missing a lot from the free throw line, and the same can be said for the Kings, missing a lot of free throws, but getting to the line a good amount. There were a lot of a lot of fouls in this game. I also thought the Kings went away from attacking the rim in the third quarter. Fox went back to just not being involved in the offense, and then it was Malik Monk. He took well, he took one bad shot, but he wasn't attacking like he probably should have. And Kevin Herter was taking some bad shots. Metu took a bad shot. There were just guys taking bad shots, but it's not even as much like them not making the shots it's taking these shots and then not getting back on defense after it was the real problem it was that transition defense when the kings didn't make a shot they were almost always getting scored on because of that transition and then the knicks pulled within i think it was one point early in the fourth quarter because we didn't have fox or sabonis out there and then we pretty quickly got them both in the game and i think they both went the rest of the game like 11 minutes in that fourth quarter And in that fourth quarter, it was absolutely just De'Aaron Fox time. Like we've seen a million times, I think he had 15 out of his 23 in that fourth quarter. And he was just amazing. Sabonis was also good in the fourth quarter setting guys up. He had a good find to Trey Lyles, who had an and one. Trey Lyles was really good in that fourth quarter as well. But the Kings could just never pull away because whenever they would get a little bit of separation then it was just a few quick hitting transition moments from the Knicks and it it's just the transition plays are what kept the Knicks in this game but with the Kings having you know a two possession lead for most of the fourth quarter and and in clutch time It was never too worrying because the Knicks didn't have Jalen Brunson, who didn't return after halftime. He had missed the two previous games and went out with left uh, foot soreness in this one. And Julius Randle is just not good in the clutch. You know, he hit that big shot against Miami, but even on that play a few games ago, you could see, you know, he can't handle the pressure that gets thrown at him. You know, if... If he was allowed to just isolate against a guy, especially a guy that's smaller than him, 
then in, then it would be great. You know, he'd be a great player in the clutch. But it's like, that's not how it works. Teams aren't just going to let you do what you want and get the shot that you want for free. And it seems like that's what he thinks is going to happen because he's just so unaware of doubles being sent at him and he's not a good passer out of them. So he turned it over late and it was just Fox time. And this game came down to the Kings having the better closer. And it would have been interesting to see Jalen Brunson in this game because the Knicks played better without Brunson, but it's not necessarily because they didn't have Brunson. And if they did have Brunson down the stretch, it would have been fun to see him and Fox go back and forth to the better clutch scores in the NBA. But we didn't get that. And so it was just Fox taking over. I think he had 11 straight points at one point. And he had two massive dunks in this game, which is not something we're too used to seeing from him. Although I feel like he has been doing it a little more this season. Those uh, big dunks. And I think it's because he's... On national television, he's on the big stage and he's he can feel the spotlight on him. And so he he's more into the game because I, I mean, I think that's truly why he's you saw that emotion from him after the dunks. I thought Davion Mitchell played pretty well in this game defensively, especially against Brunson. He he is a really good defender. And I think I mean, obviously, but I think especially against a guy like Brunson because Brunson is a guy who uses his quickness and strength to get into guys and because Brunson's a very strong guy but that doesn't work on Davion because Davion is insanely strong for his size and insanely quick so Brunson can't he can't shoot over him because Brunson's also a small guy and That's really the only way to score against Davion, is to shoot over him. That's Davion's weakness defensively, and so Brunson can't exploit that, so I thought Davion did a really good job of defending Brunson in that first half. And he also made a couple of good drives to the bucket to get us buckets when we needed them, when the Knicks were coming back. Him and Barnes did the same thing, getting a, I think he got an and one, when the Knicks were kind of coming back at us. And so him and Barnes with big plays to keep the lead. I thought Keegan Murray had a solid game. He went two for five from three, was scoring well. I thought he rebounded well too. I think the reason that he didn't play late in the game was because of his defense. He got blown by by Barrett a few times, fouled Barrett a few times. And also, I I just don't think Mike Brown saw what he wanted to see from Keegan defensively with how they wanted to defend the Knicks. And when they were doubling uh, Randall, I don't think he saw what he wanted to see from Keegan. So I think that's why he wasn't playing down the stretch and why they went with Trey Lyles. And obviously, Trey Lyles is a great option. So that makes sense. And then Herder, the beam guy, he... Went two for seven from three, but hit a big shot in the fourth and was, you know, he was overall fine. He had 14 points and in that first half didn't play a lot because Malik was going off. So they kept going with Malik Monk and Kevin Herter played more in the second half. And so, yeah, he was fine. And defensively, I I think he was actually pretty good. Two steals. 
and I didn't really see him getting beat too many times because the Knicks play a lot of isolation. And Kevin Herter is a guy that, you know, is not great at guarding isolation guys, but RJ Barrett is not a guy that's really gonna go by you with his quickness. You know, he can, but I thought Herter did fine on him. I thought Herter was doing a good job of coming over and doubling Randall or even guarding Randall whenever he got switched onto him. And he was also guarding Quentin Grimes quite a bit, and Grimes was just kind of more spotting up on the three-point line. And Grimes did, he knocked down four of ten threes and made some clutch ones. Uh, him and Herter exchanged some threes late in this game, but he was the only guy on the Knicks who, other than Brunson, who was shooting well from three. I mean, you got R.J. Barrett at one for eight from three. You got Julius Randle at two for 12. You got Quickly at one for eight and one for 11 from the field from Quickly. Obi Toppin at one for five. I mean, it was a rough shooting display from the Knicks. And that's not exactly just, you know, abnormal. They don't have the best shooters. Overall, it was just one of those games where I felt like the Kings could have and probably should have put this game away a lot sooner, but they never totally folded and never allowed the Knicks to go on a super quick big run. And that is kind of why they were able to maintain the lead. And then you kind of always knew as long as they had uh, any lead really going into the final, I don't know, three minutes, then they would probably be fine. And then there was that weird play with Josh Hart inbounding the ball. And it looked like he was about to take a five second violation. So he had to get it in bounds. But then it looked like, you know, he wanted to pass to Randall. But Trey Lyles did a really good job of recognizing what was happening and kind of shifting over to deny the inbounds. And Josh Hart just kind of blocked himself from inbounding and threw it just straight back out of bounds. That was very, very odd. And that kind of ended the game, really. I feel like this game, you know, is a game between between two teams that are similar in terms of like where they are as franchises, not necessarily in terms of the actual teams, like how they're made up. Uh, what players they're made up of, but they are similar in terms of both being teams that have sucked for a while, and then now they're kind of both surprising, and they have young teams. And I think for both teams, it kind of showed exactly what they need to improve on. For the Knicks, it's shooting, and for the Kings, it's rebounding. The Knicks just need more shooters, and the Kings just need a big that can rebound off the bench, or a, you know, a power forward that can rebound in the starting lineup. And obviously it's not like one guy would fix their rebounding problems. But, I mean, you saw with Josh Hart, one guy can do a lot on the boards. And he doesn't have to be a super tall guy like Mitchell Robinson, because Josh Hart is not that tall, but he got 15 rebounds, 8 offensive rebounds. I mean, that's just incredible. And I, I haven't even mentioned yet that Sabonis got a triple-double, but 24, 13, and 10, I mean, that's just a that's just a normal line for Sabonis, come on. I mean, the points, 24 points, that's a little more than normal. But, uh, I mean, you look at his numbers from the All-Star break, and it's just near triple-doubles in almost every single game. 
He's just so consistent with the numbers that he puts up. The Kings' next game is against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Uh, thought Kevin Durant was going to be in this game, but he will not be, it sure seems like. I think he's going to be out a few weeks after slipping in pregame warm-ups, but the Suns have still, I mean, they've been looked good even without KD. When the Kings last played the Suns, it was the DeAndre Ayton show, and for the Kings, you either got to hope that he's not knocking down shots automatically from the mid-range like he was, or you have to make an adjustment and actually get up on him. The Suns just picked the Kings' defense apart, and so I think that they're probably needs to be some adjustment and I think there has to be some game plan that's different than what the Kings have normally shown whether it be a zone or something like trapping off every pick and roll that's between either Chris Paul and Aiton or Booker and Aiton and go from there because I think you saw in this game against the Knicks the Kings can play good defense when they are going at and trapping and doubling a single guy. And so I would like to see some variation of different defense against the Suns because I think if they just drop back into the normal man and just, I mean, I don't even know what to call their defense, their normal defense, because it's just, they just play man and then the pick and roll comes and then a guy gets wide open off the pick and roll and they score, right? And and they, they just can't let that happen. I think at this point in the season, Mike Brown has to realize that this team just, at least in this season, this team is not going to get there defensively and you kind of have to get creative with the defensive aspect of the game. You ca- You just have to get creative. In terms of the standings, the Kings are now 7-1 and one since the All-Star break and are still in the two-seed because the Grizzlies won, but uh, obviously with the Kings winning, they go back into the two-seed. They are still tied with the Grizzlies, and they own the tiebreaker, which I believe is conference record, is the second tiebreaker because the Kings and Grizzlies tied the season series. The games against the Suns are big, especially when the Suns don't have Kevin Durant now, because I feel like the Suns are the biggest threat. I don't feel like the Clippers are a threat. I I pretty much don't think it's realistic that the Kings are going to drop below the four seed, but I also don't think we necessarily want to be the four seed, because it sure looks like the Warriors might get that four seed, and I don't want to play the Warriors in a playoff series. Uh, I mean, the Clippers could also get it, but I would much rather play someone like Dallas or Minnesota or the Lakers, someone like that. So, and and the Grizzlies, they did win against Golden State today, um, but I, I, with how their season has been going recently, I don't feel like that they can keep up with us. But maybe because they played really well tonight without Jaw and without Brandon Clark, so you never know with them. Anyways, that is it for this episode of The Rural Report. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore the Rural Report, and I will see you guys next time to recap the game against the Suns. Peace.